Hey gang, welcome to episode 110 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles. Today on the show, friend of the show, backer of the show, creator of Cavell and Apartment 8 and Getting to Know You and Barbershop and the Infinitely Dinner Society, it's Miss Annie Lesser who we haven't had on in like two years, uh, despite the fact that I, uh, we see Annie all the time, like all the time. Um, yeah. So this is going to be a treat. going to pull back the curtain a little bit here in a second, but first a couple of things on this kind of a kind of throwback show to a bit of the old format, but not entirely. Let's check in with our backers. That would be you, our Patreon backers. Patreon.com slash no proscenium folks. Uh, I'm not going to mince words. Um, we've had some setbacks on the Patreon. Oh yeah. I I understand. Uh, economic times are not always great and interests move on. Uh, people scale back, but this machine must move forward. So as always, you don't have to drop us, you know, 30, 40, 50, $200 a month. Uh, to help this thing evolve, uh, but it'd be great if someone did. Are there any millionaires out there who are just bored? You just don't like cash anymore? Send it our way. And you do it by going to patreon.com slash no Um We have backpedaled uh, away this month from we had breached 300. Now, now we're under the 300, backed into the 200s. So we've like slipped backwards on a goal. Some of that's just technical stuff that happens on the back end, it's going to get figured out, but, um, it's disconcerting, uh, to say, to say the least, like just when things are getting busy. Whoa. Wow. Um, so yeah. Um, if you're out there, if you listen to the show on the regular, um, a dollar a month, dollar a month, that's the way to show that you love us. That's $12 a year for what are we doing now? Like 50 episodes a year. It's pennies on the dollar. That's less than uh, playing Pac-Man. Um, not that anyone plays Pac-Man in reality anymore. Anyway, this ad has gone on too long. Uh, I need your help. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. Save us. Don't make me sing the Remy Zero theme song to Smallville out loud. I can't hit those notes. And I try. Oh, I try. Hey, let's talk about other things that are out in the world. Um, our in-kind sponsor. That means they're trading attention for attention. That's how that works. And it's worthy attention, too. This is not just mercenary work here. The future of immersive leisure conference is happening in Las Vegas on September 13th and 14th. We're going to have a bunch of guests coming out of there. The founder of the festival uh, of, of, of the conference conferences, festivals. I get it all jumbled in my head because there's so much stuff going on. The founder of the conference, get to talk to him this weekend. He'll be on the show soon. A bunch of other really cool people from the themed entertainment and VR worlds are going to be migrating here onto the show in the lead up to the conference. Foil, Future of Immersive Leisure in Las Vegas. Lots of amazing speakers are going to be there in September. Uh, you should peruse that at futureofimmersiveleisure.com. Check it out. 
um, and uh, and report back. Let me know. Um, speaking of reporting back and reaching out to us, uh, it has been a minute since we put out a call for questions to Simon Russ Lamb, who is our um, venue locksmith. Uh, he's standing by ready to take questions from you about, uh, producing questions. Uh, Simon's got a lot of experience, both, uh, from the practical all the way into the, the corporate world about how to handle these types of events. So if you're a producer and you have some questions and you want to drop them off to us, uh, you can send it in email form or you can send it as an audio message. Both go to Noah at nopersinium.com. Never hesitate to send us your cues. We will find some A's uh, to uh, connect them with. Like matchmaking. Matchmaking for intelligence and information. It's warm. It's kind of later in the day than I'm usually doing this. Uh, And it is warm right now. I just just felt like noting that. If I sound a little down, uh, it's the heat. It's also humid. Ricky, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you manage it. I also think you might be responsible for this. Talking to Ricky Briganti of Inside the Magic, who's been out here. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Midsummer Scream was just last weekend. Um, Scare LA is this weekend. Um, there's there's a really good immersive theater panel uh, going on at Scare LA. So if you're at Scare LA, go check that one out. A lot of the heavy hitters are on board. Um this weekend there i'm going to be running around uh i will not be at scare la but i may you may see me in the vicinity uh there's some people i got to connect with all right uh this is kind of rambly uh there's no early segment this time that's why i meant by throwback we're going to jump right in here to our talk with annie lesser of abc project and infinitely dinner society and um, yeah, this was done in uh, Annie's uh, living room, uh, also known as half of the set for apartment eight. Here we go. We're recording this one day after being at Midsummer Scream. Yes, it's one day after being at Midsummer Scream right now. And one of the things on the table here at Annie's apartment is uh, the Screamy Award. Yeah, that was so awesome that we got that. <laughs> what And what'd you get it for? We got it for Apartment 8 at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Um, Midsummer Scream this year for the first time sponsored an award at the Fringe. And it was the Screamiest Award, which was for... The scariest moment, it's I supposedly. I don't know what about ours was the moment that convinced them that we had the scariest moment, but uh, them and a panel of people all chose us, and we got this awesome award, and then all, we all got to go to Midsummer Scream, which was really fun. It looks like a uh, undead Oscar. Yeah. Like, it is a very well-designed... Maybe we'll take a picture of that and the uh, immersive theater. Where you also, the we had an immersive category in the Hollywood Fringe this year, and mm-hmm. you won for for Apartment Eight. Yeah, I, it was really amazing that we won for Apartment Eight. Um, I had thought of maybe doing something new for Fringe this year. I thought of maybe 
just uh, skipping this year at Fringe and doing something else around the city, but I didn't want it to be competing with Fringe. And we were getting super nostalgic for Apartment 8 while I was cleaning out my apartment as well as getting ready to do it at um, as the chalet at the Overlook Film Festival. So I just kind of posted on Instagram like a bunch of Apartment 8 stuff I'd found around my apartment. I was like, man, I want to do it again. Should we remount it at Fringe? And all of a sudden everyone's like, yes, you should. So we did. And um, it was great because, you know, this year we could actually categorize ourselves as an immersive theater piece versus having to figure out what category we really fit into because we weren't a solo show even though Kate was the main actor but I also kind of was in it and we weren't um a ensemble theater piece uh we weren't yeah what did it go in last we put year? it in on movement yeah which is the that was sort of where all of the immersive theater like pre this year up. yeah like Hamlet Mobile was well, a ense- piece. Well, we put ensemble though for when we did Getting to Know You, right. and then that, I, that wasn't. I mean, it's an immersive piece, but it was, but it was ensemble. ensemble. Piece. It was yeah. way more ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that, and then um, so it was great to actually feel like I was part of an immersive category. I could categorize myself correctly, and uh, it was really amazing that we won the award, uh, and also it was really great that. We also were recognized uh, under your critic circle as like a tide with red flags for the award. Yeah, so that was that was really it. Felt really great to um, have so many people still supporting it a year later because sometimes you know you feel like maybe it's just like a hot thing and it's not something that's. Uh, gonna resonate as well as time. Like you worry that you're. There's a lot of movies that like win the Oscar or get a bunch of critical acclaim that that you know later people aren't really interested anymore right. in and so it's it's nice to I feel about that, like the artist the other day right it's yeah. like you know it's oh it's like French people making a black and white film about the golden era of Hollywood and isn't it amazing and like going to like a screening down here like it's part of the Oscar campaign and like a room full of people in the movie business just absolutely loving that film and you're like well that's gonna win the Oscar because it's just you know playing to the hometown crowd but then no one else cares like a year later like yeah no one else cares no one's seen it no one's talked about it yeah so it's really nice to know that still a year later people are still interested in it and that there's still a large demand for it it's a show though that really drains me it really drains Kate um and so it was, it, it, we're probably going to take a break from it for a while if we're ever going to remount it. But. We, we, often, we often talk about we talk about the show kind of in, 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 in whispers in some ways because it's so short and tight that to like talk about it directly is to sort of spoil it. But mm-hmm. one of the things that we noted uh, before our, um, our first attempt to do this that was uh, destroyed by my neighbor's television um, was that you know we haven't you haven't been on the show. Like um, Kate and Dasha, who are some of your actors, they've been on the show, but you haven't been on the show since we did Getting to Know You. Getting to Know You, yeah. Which is where you where you started working uh, in immersive yeah. at Fringe with Kate and Dasha. Yeah. So, so what is what should people know about Apartment Eight on the off chance that you do uh, take it back out of mothballs? Yeah, for sure. Um, the way that I kind of try and describe Apartment Eight is, I say it's. Is if you wandered 
into a David Lynch murder scene. Another way that I describe it is um, it's about facing a version of yourself uh, that you might not normally face. Uh, it's about kind of looking at yourself through um, the lens of someone else. That's about the extent of what I usually tell people. Well, how did it come? How did that piece come about? Because in getting to know you is so different mm -hmm. from it. Um, and indeed, like there, there's been sort of a shifting over. So getting to know you, for those who don't know, who don't dig back through the old episodes, which you totally don't need to do. I'm not saying you should go do it. Um, that was eight characters um, paired off with eight audience members. And then the audience members kind of did a version of musical chairs. Well, no, the, from... uh, the actors did the musical chairs. The actors moved around the audience members. So the audience never had to stand up. The audience never had... Yeah, the we've had this conversation had before. This question. Yeah, that because you're all sitting down and literally the actors, while you're waiting, all of a sudden the music turns on and the actors walk into the room. They sit down across from you and then they move. Uh, the way that the seats were structured is the audience is in a circle facing outward. All the lights are behind the audience members, so the actors' faces are lit, but the audience are all backlit, so they don't. It's it kind of creates a visual effect where you don't see each other, and then the actors shift from audience member to audience member. My memory, my memory remembers it as as me moving, but that's probably because I come from a different dimension. The <laughs> uh, one where no a other person people, is not other president. people remember it incorrectly. I think too. Um, you never did a version. You never like no, in your testing or like no, we never we never did a version like that. Um, it, it seemed like it would be logistically uh, difficult to do it what's, like that. What's weird, here's, here's the funny thing about that, right? Is that like, I remember the person I was paired off with initially. So like, no, yeah, yeah. now I'm, as, I'm, as I'm thinking harder about it, I remember the person I was paired off with initially uh, being across from me and like landing in the same spot. I remember, I remember Dasha being in the, the same chair as that person, so clearly they're moving. But yeah. weirdly enough, when I think of when I think of the the scene I have with Kate, I think of myself as being like, like, three clocks down, which is not possible. It's just weird. Like somehow the background was different. There's something yeah. about the the movement in that show. Um, what I also think is interesting is because it was a dance studio. Some people are also forced to see their own reflection. Yeah. Um, while other people didn't and some people saw it had like windows that were in the background. But I feel like the actors were good enough at keeping people engaged that um, the difference in backgrounds the didn't affect it. Yeah, the camera focus is pretty pretty tight there because of, of what was going on, just like the, the level of engagement. But so like so that piece, you know, so different and there's this round robin musical chairs thing kinda of going on. And here with the apartment Department eight, it's just laser focused. Yeah. So what, what was the shift there? What led you into doing something well, like it's that? Interesting, because when I first, so the year before I did getting to know you, I pitched to the Hollywood Fringe doing a show in my apartment, mm. and they were worried about insurance, um, and it was so close to registration that I couldn't. Um, even like research and obtain insurance in timely enough fashion to make that work. Um, but my original concept was um, we'd set it up kind of like, this was before actually Airbnb was a popular thing. This was 20, 
14. And I didn't even know probably about Airbnb then, but it was that we would set it up as um, a hotel, but each room in the apartment was a hotel, but it was a hotel for an, for audio. So we would have an innkeeper and they would lead people to their rooms or their pods and we'd have different pods where people had um, audio plays going on that mm. they would be listening to. Um, and that was just... Uh, what my idea was and then I was contacted by Fringe Sport being like we don't really do homes as venues and I was like okay so um, but I'd wanted to do an immersive theater piece for a while I'd actually um, since since the first time I'd been to a Fringe event which was um, uh, the Fringe Rocks night of 2012 been like oh I want to do something at Fringe and uh or I want to do an immersive theater piece and I was talking to a lot of actors uh back then um and so I did getting to know you the next year um because I had the idea I was like oh this is great I can just do it in a photo studio I can do it in dance studio so I went to a bunch of different photo studios and dance studios around Hollywood and I finally found this one and I wrote uh I I cast a cast that I felt would be the optimal for fitting in the space and doing uh, and were cool people to work with. Um, my I was crazy at first. At first I was like, I'm going to cast 15 actors and write 15 different characters and it's going to be amazing. That's, that was a little much. So I cast eight actors. I wrote eight characters. Um, and, you know, for each character I wrote eight and a half monologues um, and came up when we practiced improvising and going through those scenes over and over with them. Um, and then for apartment eight, I wanted to do something a little bit more toned down, a little more poetic, a little more, I mean, getting to know I feel like is somewhat experimental just in concept, um, even though the characters are a lot more grounded. And I wanted to do something that maybe in space was a lot more grounded, but, um, in concept and character was a lot more experimental I guess yeah. so I grounded it in my space and something stuff that I was able to make tangibly um, we originally didn't there's like a part of it where you discover that something's wrong with my apartment as kind of an epilogue and we originally didn't have it set up like that we had it just set up as my regular apartment and you were just leaving through my regular apartment and then um we had like we had some stuff that was broken in my apartment and my uh my co-production designer Teresa Loera who's doing all of the original practical effects for the piece and all of the makeup and helping us do the blood and design how we uh did the bathroom up and helping me pick out which LEDs and light bulbs to use um she she came up with the deal was like you just need a break more things and I just did it and it was great um so I mean then you get to live in like a broken apartment I gotta live yeah I get to live in a broken apartment it's great because it gives me like total license to be even a bigger slob than I normally am um because I'm a pretty big slob uh and then uh and then yeah so I I don't know how I can explain it as a departure. I just wanted to do a show in my apartment and I had that concept and I was able to like 
obtain insurance because I was far enough ahead and I was able to kind of like write them be like hey I have insurance and they're like cool um, especially because at that by that point I was living in my apartment as a live workspace so I actually have my apartment insured partially already as um, uh, an art um, as an artist workspace mm. um, w- within my uh, business insurance so uh that's that's just part of it because I do um, photo shoots here sometimes uh, or I used to I, I my lighting equipment's broken um, so until I get that fixed I'm kind of taking a break from that I'm sorry I go off on so many tangents I'm very stream of conscious there's too many thoughts in my brain uh, I apologize um, not ahead of time in the midst of it all <laughs> so everyone who is kind of being like, okay, I want to hear more about immersive theater. Who cares about your broken lighting equipment? I apologize. Well, let's let's talk about more immersive theater. But before we get into like your upcoming projects, because you've, mm-hmm. you've got a few. I do. And you're even, you're even closer, farther along the road than last time we talked, which was just like two weeks ago. Um, what have you been, what have you been seeing? Like, I mean, like there's been, yeah. since, since, since we... Since we first talked, which was I've like, seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. I try and see as much as I can. Um, What's in, I mean, what what work out there is kind of like catching your eye, inspiring you? I mean, and just this 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 explosion we've had because like when we yeah. you know it was the first year of the podcast, um, and just after that summer, so it must have been like it was in the first three or four months of doing the podcast that we that we talked and it's just been such a sea change since then yeah um well i mean gosh um i continually am inspired a lot by stuff that isn't even necessarily immersive um i really like seeing traditional art and i also am very into um audio documentaries and audio dramas so i listen to a lot of that type of stuff i binge that um and so that influence can be seen both in in apartment eight and in something else we'll talk about in a minute yeah, yeah. um and uh and also um i think i just i always have been really inspired by spaces um when i was Eight, 19. When I was 19, um, I wrote this essay on how uh, different spaces kind of have a feeling to them. Uh, when I would go to a certain cafe in New York, I would always feel a, like writing came to me more easily in that space uh, because everyone around me would be working on different things. And so it kind of gave that... Uh, intuitive nature to 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 be working whenever I would visit Los Angeles before I lived here I always felt like you could just pluck ideas out of the air yeah like it was always a lot easier now that I live here it's not as easy to pluck ideas out of the air because like you 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 Mm -hmm. know the buzz of the city but uh, or I'd have certain places of power I never I've never found the place that I'm happiest writing here in LA that Mm -hmm. that that for a little while it was La Mill Coffee but uh then I learned to hate it. So yeah, well, so and so I kind of had this idea of kind of uh, Carl Jung with the collective unconscious that there is um, a nature to space where it makes it uh, conducive to different ideas and feelings, um, and kind of I'm a huge Tom Stoppard fan, and one of my favorite plays by him is Arcadia. 
And it is a play that uh, takes place in, um, I believe it starts out in 1991 in a room. And then all of a sudden, uh, halfway through the first act, no, I think it no, starts. It's, play, it's, it's, it takes place in 1891 yeah, in yeah. a room. And halfway through the first act, it all of a sudden shifts to 1991, yeah. 100 years later. And um, and they're trying to figure, figure out, out figure out who the, the, the mathematical that, genius is in that the had left show. stuff before yeah. in the so you're switching though back and forth between that and then suddenly the second half has both time periods happening on stage at the same time and kind of the recurrence of ideas of theory of of similar theories and emotions that are going through people and so it's kind of the re- repetition of uh, interconnected relationships within a space. And so I like the idea of working in a space and working with um, the feelings and uh, working with the actions that normally would happen within a space and kind of, though, bringing them into a more dramatic uh, setting. Uh, So that's kind of what I've gotten into Um, So I, a lot of times, when I go see immersive theater, I'm very into um, as much of the tactile, uh, being part of as much tactileness as possible. If I can um, experiment with uh, where I'm standing in a space, like try moving around it as much as possible, moving if... um, Actors are in a tableau, moving close to them, moving far away from them, seeing how close I can get to them without touching them. The same way, usually when I go see a Richard Serra sculpture, which are these giant, um, like, monolithic sculptures almost that are, are geometric, curving shapes around people and stuff like that. So usually a lot of times, because of the way it curves, I see how much I can curve my body next to it with... Um, and obviously like not touch it and see how I relate to it spatially. And I try and do the same when I'm in an immersive theater piece. So when I saw um, the uh, Speakeasy Society third Johnny cycle, which is the first Johnny cycle show I'd seen, um, there's a part in the mausoleum where everyone is on the in the balcony and almost the entire audience is like right up underneath where everyone is in the balcony and I throughout that scene actually slowly walked backwards as far back as I could in the room until I was on the other side of the room and the acoustics there are great so you can still hear everything but I was completely separated from the rest of the crowd because I was just letting the space overtake it larger than the actors because when you're standing up there the actors seem larger than life but when you move all the way back their words seem larger than life but they seem small and so i kind of yeah, the, looking, whole, the whole thing is almost like looking at something through the wrong end of a telescope yeah yeah so um i really enjoy doing stuff like that i really um and also i loved that piece um i i um i really like what they're doing with the kansas collection um uh, at the same time, I feel like it has like a uh, a lot of the hallmarks of like like you know a TV show that you're you're kind of like okay this is a good TV show 
but I'm not sure if like I'm like still watching it because like every episode ends on a cliffhanger or or is it because I'm actually emotionally invested in the characters but it's just like it's a good story and it's fun and I have a good time with it so I like that um it is a pretty plot driven experience that one which is it's funny because there are there are a lot of things in the space that are character driven and you definitely you make character driven pieces uh, and yet you know all the stuff with all the alternate reality experiences all of that stuff is all almost all plot driven plot driven yeah um, yeah so um, what I I like I, I like I guess I feel like you know that's more of a, like a I feel like I guess you know Speakeasy size Kansas collection is more of a um, Game of Thrones type deal. Like, you know, it's a lot of like, these characters did this and this is what happened. Yeah. And you can kind of be like, oh, this is what happened on the list last episode of the Kansas collection. Um, uh, right before you go see it, like as a, as a, as a reminder, usually with their emails and stuff like that. And then, um, but then I felt, you know, the, Johnny Cycle was, you know, a lot more present, and you were there, and you were. And they also they and did, it was they, artistic, and, and they did that. Uh, they did that audio piece. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah, they did an audio piece ahead of it, which I don't think you needed. Yeah. But I, it was really nice to listen to. I love. I love listening to stuff like that. I thought that was a nice touch. Mm. Um, I know that they think of their work as sort of dividing into, you know, the the pop stuff like. Kansas Collection, or when they did The Hollow, which was Sleepy Hollow, or when they mm-hmm. did uh, Ebenezer, uh, and then there's the the art stuff, which, which, if memory serving so far um, of what I've seen, is uh, been the stronger, and the Johnny Cycle, because yeah. the Johnny Cycle's the thing they keep coming back to the past. I'm years. so bummed that I didn't get to see the first two. It's just you know what um, I was aware of and what my schedule was. So when the stronger was going on. I wanted to try and see it, and then it just didn't fit with my schedule. That was like that was right after getting to know you, yeah. and then um, when uh, that was at the beginning, of, from my point of view, that was the beginning of a snowball. Yeah, because like we had we had getting to know you, we had I think that was the same year as Hamlet Mobile, and then so things started to move, and then suddenly the stronger was at Live Arts Exchange, uh-huh. and then boom, we were this we were in it. Like yep. there was something. There was it was quiet for the winter, and then the next spring came, and there's pretty much hasn't been a m- month that's been fallow yeah. since for for anyone. Um, yeah, and so um, I really I really like the stuff that they're doing. Um, I really like the exploration of of character. I, I really like stuff that explores character. I really like stuff where. I can be very emotionally present with people. Um, I really loved that about Red Flags. Um, uh, but I am going to admit that I I like would guess like the next sections ahead of time and be like, oh, are you going to, did this happen to you? And I'd like have spoiled like what her next monologue is going to be and stuff. And I like kind of was like, man, I wish I, I didn't, I couldn't, like, I mean, but I guess it's a, a testament to, like, the ability of her to, like, foreshadow and, like, make, bring up all of that stuff for you. I just, I wish there was more surprises for me <laughs> when I was doing it. But, I mean, I really liked being able to 
be very emotionally present with her. And I thought it was funny because to me it wasn't a bad date at all. It was actually a really good date and I would have gone on another date with that person. <laughs> <laughs> because because basically my um my history of dating is that like people aren't honest with me and then she was very honest and upfront about all these terrible things. I was like, "Well, if you're willing to be that honest and upfront about all this bad shit, then I bet you're probably just like an honest person that I can trust to like tell me when you fuck shit up. <laughs> but there's also a level where it's like she's she's warning you about all the horrible choices that she makes. makes. You know, it's like it's it's not a it's not a closed process yet. Like yeah, she's still making horrible choices. Horrible choices. Yeah, horrible choices all the way through. Um, but I've been on dates where someone uh, dished me go buy cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have not been uh, on either side of that particular kind of transaction uh, of being ditched to go buy drugs. <laughs> oh, God, now I'm trying to think. What was, what was the worst? No, no I'm not going to go there. Um, let's uh, jump tracks. Oh, and one one other thing that I saw that I really like. Sorry, oh, can yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, please, please. Um, I saw the Cho Show, and I loved the Cho Show. Oh, but you're not allowed to talk about that. You're not allowed to talk about it. Read, isn't it after? Read? But isn't it after, like, the show's over you can talk about it? I, all I, I, I'm neither confirming nor denying that I have seen the NDA for that, um, okay. that particular piece. Um, since I do not have it in front of me, I will note that there was a whole big section about people not even be able to, uh, admit that they have, were a participant in oh, it. okay. Which, and I do not know if that had a, uh, termination point. Okay. Um, and did it did it close? Is it done? I thought it was done. Okay. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know if it's done. Then so, I won't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the single most draconian NDA I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I will admit that I've seen the NDA. Uh, beyond that, I'm not saying how I saw the NDA. Mm-hmm. Just that I've seen the NDA. What uh, I was mainly paying attention to was uh, how I was signing over the rights for them to like videotape me record me do whatever the hell they want with my image and person yeah there was a there was a whole line about like you you will not even text like no you will not communicate about the things in this even by electronic text and it's it's funny because like there's i keep thinking about that nda and i keep thinking about the ways it could be weaponized mm-hmm. and could actually be like used against other artists and that's got me kind of kind of in a in a it's it does not make me happy um and um you know without the context of the content Mm -hmm. of that show uh whether or not that sort of nda is uh um, worthwhile or necessary or whatnot is actually impossible to discuss so hashtag irony um but yeah just gonna keep you from getting Thank you. Thank you for keeping me from getting in trouble. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Um, but let's talk about, so audio dramas are a thing uh, for you, audio mm-hmm. production, um, the design there, and that plays a big part in what you've been doing with Infinite Dinner Infinitely Society. Dinner. Infinitely Dinner Society. Society. Yeah. Uh, in the form of the, the midnight snacks you can yeah. pop-ups. So let's talk about that, because it's also, you know, the space is also involved in that. Yeah, for super sure. Plan. So yeah. Uh, so Infinitely Dinner Society, I originally came up with the concept of building an art installation for people to eat in and that there would be meals um, based on math equations, hence the name Infinitely Dinner Society. Um, I originally had come up with 
the concept of this thing called um, the Secret Nautical Society, where we would take people out on boats and different artists would present art to them while they were out on boats based on a, a theme. Uh, but that was something that um, I still want to do, but I'm uh, I put off uh, because I, due to new Airbnb laws, couldn't be renting out my extra room. So I was finding interns to help me fabricate um, an art installation in that room to then create as a place for have these mathematical inspired. Uh, five course meals where I commission a different I five different artists to bring in a piece of art to present along with a dish um, that and they're assigned a course and they're assigned um, some information about the mathematical equation to present through their art and through their food each course uh, which um, I also wanted uh, to only do eight people for eight meals over four months and when the meals weren't going on, I wanted to create midnight snacks or different time of day snacks, depending on the type of snacks, uh, and uh, different audio dramas that could be played in the art space while uh, the snacks were being served. Um, I always had planned on, before we opened the actual space, being able to do the midnight snacks leading up to it in um, public spaces and kind of doing them ninja style. And so um, I started doing that, planning that right away. And then um, as the date has been pushed back for starting to do the dinners for eight people at a time, um, it... I've started to invest a little bit more time in conceiving of some extra midnight snacks to be doing. I wanted to be doing midnight snacks maybe every other week, but it's happened more like um, once a month or sometimes twice a month uh, just because of uh, my work schedule being insanely intense right now um, and, and the apartment eight schedule having been insanely intense. Uh, yeah, everyone in the scene was going so hard uh, during the month of June that it feels like we're all ta- in Los Angeles. Feels like we're all taking this collective breather, breather at the moment. But then on top of it, you've got you've got the other ABC projects. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're yeah. prepping on those. So and that's yeah. the, you spread yourself out pretty thin. pretty thin. Yeah, and I feel really bad. And uh, why, just... why do you feel bad? Because <laughs> I rather than being tired. No, mm. no. I mean, people want want so much from these projects and they want them ready now and they want them ready right away and i just personally by myself don't have the time to do that all i can think of is like i I'd watched the defiant ones this month and it was like super inspiring and all i can think of is like man fools waited on detox so long that dre just canceled it like yeah they gotta know like sometimes shit just like takes time to bake in the studio yeah you know? i felt yeah i just felt really bad like because i like be happy with a mixtape you know yeah <laughs> people are people are just like you know frustrated that things aren't ready yet and i and that's why i kind of launched uh, my patreon which um because i want to be able to do everything as fast as i think of it because i 
have so many ideas. I have like a long list of ideas that are for both ABC project shows and non-ABC project shows and Infinitely Dinner Society shows. And I really want to figure out a way to like bring back getting to know you because I feel like that show is easy to tour and for me to set up places and not actually have to be there for it. And I could be able to, you know, bring, I feel getting to know you is an easy show for me to bring immersive theater. Uh, well, and you've mentioned this before that you don't necessarily count getting to know you as immersive, but interactive. Oh, it's definitely to interactive. The, yeah. yeah, interactive yeah. theater to the masses because it doesn't have to be done in any particular set or setting. It just needs to have a certain lighting setup and a certain number of chairs and a certain number of actors. And yeah, you know, here's here's something funny about like like the the early classification versus the way I talk about it now. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that you know, if if there's big eye and there's deep eye, I would actually say like, yeah, like getting to know you is actually in the deep eye mode because it's about the emotional connection. It's um it's emotionally immersive in an interactive sense. And that's it doesn't have traversal. And people definitely had like really intense emotional reactions yeah. to getting to know you. Like yeah. you were there when we had someone kind of faint and you had to carry them down the stairs. Yeah. We had all sorts of fun. So we had much, much, much fun. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely it's totally within the wheelhouse, without a doubt. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like an early it's it's almost like an er it's an er piece in so many ways. What's it was er piece? Uh, I mean, like, well, oh God, like, don't don't make me give the, the history of er. Just uh, you know, uh, primordial. Okay. You know, seminal. You know yeah. that kind of, that kind of thing. Uh, there was a city called Ur, but we won't go into that. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no Babylonian history here, um, or 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 what was it this year? Anyway, don't worry about it. Uh, antiquity, and something I, out of yeah. antiquity. So. And I really want to figure a way to do family-friendly, immersive stuff as well, which. Um, Less nudity, nothing psychologically damaging. Yeah, exactly. Alcohol, Just you know. like very fun, <laughs> light. Um, uh, immersive experiences. We need it now more than ever. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was like the panel yesterday. It was like uh, that that we did in, a, in at Midsummer Scream. He's talking mis- about at Midsummer Scream, and uh, at a one point I was like, you know, like ninety eight percent of the stuff is just depressing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like we need some. Can we get some lovely? And it's it's an, the nature of the times we live in, and art reflects the world we've got. But like, you know, there's there's some people who are getting emotional fatigue. It's like I don't know if I can handle another one. Um, it's mm-hmm. like, can there be something light? And I and I think the light stuff is coming. So I'm yeah. glad you're I'm glad you're thinking about that. And the infinitely, Dinner I would say, the darkness, isn't, no, no, it's not me at all. Well, yeah, because yeah. and it's also because it's not about the emotionality of it. Yeah, it's about um, you know, being. It's kind of more of like a deconstruction type piece. It's me deconstructing um, mathematical concepts through. Um, Art and kind of explaining them in a, a weird artistic way. Um, I can even see like the way you do the snacks. I can see like a progression. Yeah. And like people like if you got like a space, like you could add like a festival or something. You could have like stations of this thing and people yeah. progressing through it. And I'm trying to also right now actually. Um, there's <laughs> we need to talk about that actually. There's a uh, there's a um, there's my friend Mallory who is. Um, the, she she does some hula hooping in one of them. Uh, my friend Mallory, she runs a uh, 
vegan catering company as well and um they make these like crazy um vegan brats with like vegan mac on them and chili and all these things and so um there's uh this fractal called the mandelbrot fractal and it's the most famous fractal but it's spelled b-r-o-t and i want to do this thing called mandelbrots b-r-a-t-s and we um make you like uh, your wordplay yes i do like my wordplay i'm a i'm a i have a dad sense of humor (laughs) um and i really um want to work with um a vr animator to create like an immersive uh vr space based on mandelbrot's fractal that you can be inside while you eat your brat. Okay. So it's okay. vegan mandelbrots. I dig. Yeah. I dig. So I really want to do that. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, when we have some, there's some people having events coming up and they said that we could do it as like the catering for the events as having like you come up and get VR and eat the food and stuff. So. Oh, neat. That we want to do that. I just, um, literally, I'm, like, I was so busy with Apartment 8, and, like, it was the first week of Apartment 8, and someone emailed us about doing the animations, and I was like, I'll write you back later, and then I still need to write them, and I still need to reach out to a few other people that I think might be helpful in, in securing us a VR animator and stuff like that. Yeah, it's the, I think the, the hardest thing right now is that everyone's got stuff they want to do, and the bandwidth for doing it. Like, I know I'm running up against that all mm-hmm. the time, you know, and so, like, I'm reaching out more and more, more and more for help from people. I'm trying to lean in closer to the microphone, and I'm like, oh, you're failing, Noah. Um, uh, yeah. But, like, talk to us about, we've been at this for a while, so, like, t- tell tell the listening audience, because you mentioned the Patreon in past. Yeah. And let me, let's not, we won't do the rundown of everything, but, like, what's, what is, what is that focused on? What is that about? And sort of, like, What's what's the what's the catch there? What's the main thing? Sort of like the the in trade for joining up on yours. So um, I feel like people really like the stuff I'm doing. Um, at least that's what people are saying to my face. Um, who knows what they're saying uh, in back doors? Uh, but I also have, you know, been hearing. Um, even since I launched the Patreon page, uh, that people are frustrated that things aren't coming out when they're supposed to come out, uh, or when I originally project them to come out, and I feel very terrible about that. Um, I personally would like everything to happen when I want it to happen, uh, but uh, I can't do that unless I can hire people to help me um and because I as a freelance photographer I expect myself to get paid whenever I do photos so I personally do not like to have people help me unless I am paying them in either um some manner shape or form of favor or money or both uh and So that's part of what's going on with me is I'm trying to raise funds so I can pay people to help me so that that can keep me on schedule. And then also if I personally am offered a photo job, I don't really have the ability to say no to that um, because I don't have flexibility of income right now. 
And so um, I'm even at this point to work on my projects, I have to take out line of credit from the bank and things like that, that, you know, have high interest rates. And I'd rather be able to take out a loan and for something and know that I can pay things back progressively and not have to constantly be uh, taking on extra photo work, which takes me away from my immersive theater work. Um, or, you know, any odd jobs or things like that, which would take me away from my theater work. So I want to just be able to focus more on it and be able to actually plan and budget things out and have calendars and bring people on to help me finish things faster. Because um, when it came to Infinitely Dinner Society, I thought that I'd found an intern and that intern then fell through. And I also thought I had a larger photo gig where I was going to have the funds to buy all of the materials and that fell through. And then I thought I found another intern. And then um, it was in the middle of working on apartment eight. So the communication broke down. And I guess a bunch of her emails went to my spam folder. And then once I, once she messaged me then on the Slack, like, did you get any of my emails? I said, no. And then I looked them up and I was like, oh my goodness, there are five emails from her in my spam folder. How the hell did that happen? And uh, then I kind of lost her as an intern. And then I never had time to look for a new person. I interviewed three people who didn't seem to know um, enough about fabricating to really even consider hiring them. And um, I also talked to some other people that then were like, oh, actually, I'm not coming to Los Angeles anymore next month. Sorry. So I would like to be able to just find someone to do that stuff so that I wouldn't have to keep pushing back the start of Infinitely Dinner Society because I really want to start doing that. What is it? I mean, just while we've got everyone's attention, what is, because you mentioned fabrication, so you need, you need, you need a carpenter? What do you need? Um, I need, uh, some people to build like boxes that, um, can be opened and closed that people can walk on. I want to create floor tiles that are actually boxes so that I can be able to actually for each show based on the themes be able to pull out props and put them in there so the floor is full of different things for each show. So you want like a ra- so you want a raised floor that uh, consists of tiles that are actually plexiglass, uh, like plexiglass doors, kind of. Okay. They're like wood boxes with plexiglass doors. Wood boxes can... with plexiglass doors that that are walkable on. Yeah. All right. So safely, that... and then also, um, I'm creating like these tile, tile these. I want to take plywood and make um, put tiles on them, and then uh, use um, an excess of 3M tape to cover the wall, so the wall then is tiled, and then I don't have to worry about you know ruining my walls a lot of the uh, you know we, we're recording this at the last day of july mm-hmm. this is probably going to air early in august um you know the first or second week and a lot of the people who've got the most of these skills who live in california are headed off to uh, the nevada desert for burning uh, man, for burning man. Yeah. <laughs> i was, was going to be euphemistic about it <laughs> uh, but just you know, like you know like wink wink nudge nudge yeah. um but so the, the talent's going to be out of town mm-hmm. uh, who, who's most willing to like jump into this sort of stuff. But there's, there's definitely people within the sound of our voice right now <laughs> who, uh, or who know, if not themselves, then they know somebody who could probably jump yeah. in. So 
let's let's see what we can stir up by by the time maybe I get back to yeah LA after, after uh, you're back off the gigs you but know, yeah it's totally so, so yeah so that's part of it I also want to be able to um, as I said do more family friendly show and, and book other spaces and um, I really would like to be able to hire PAs people to help organize or email list just make make it a more organized smooth running operation because I personally I'm handling customer service and production and ticketing and uh, social media and directing and writing and everything myself for Infinitely Generous Society, for ABC Project, for everything. So that's what's going on with me. And speaking of ABC, you've got both D and E, like... Popping off next month, yeah. Or, well, kind of next month. Next month-ish. Um... D will definitely be at some point next month, but it is going to be happening very fast. Uh, I basically had an original concept for D at a venue. I pitched it to the venue. I didn't hear back. I pitched it to someone else at the venue. I didn't hear back. I pitched it to a third person and a fourth person at the venue. Didn't hear back from any of them. I pitched to two other venues. Did not hear back from either of those venues. I then came up with the concept of doing it in a dumpster. I found out how cheaply I could rent a dumpster. I was like, score. I wrote the part. I talked to two different potential people to be cast as the part. I had come up, figured out how to do the makeup for the part and everything by mid-April. I had all that stuff figured out. I since then have tried to find somewhere I could put a dumpster. And the cheapest price I have been able to find to store a dumpster is $200 a night to safely or vaguely safely, not necessarily safely, store that dumpster. Um, and that at that price, we would have to charge uh, $50 a head for a 10-minute experience at that point. Yeah. Uh, which is a little um, that's a little that's, that's a little, little much, a little much. With, um, with our with our math rubric of something like you know a dollar to two dollars a minute you know like Swedish massage style that's like that's that's five dollars a minute that, yeah <laughs> that's a totally different yeah it's thing just, from Swedish massage yeah exactly um, yeah. so um so we kind of were like no I can't do that um I'm still in a scramble to find um, maybe somewhere to put a dumpster or I have come up with three alternate location ideas and I am vetting uh, those locations right now and I'm hoping to have a location booked for D by the end of the day tomorrow. Um, I've I've visited two of them. I have talked to the, I talked to the catering manager at one and I've talked to the co-owner at one and he has to talk to his other co-owner and the catering manager has to talk to the actual owners. Uh, and so I'm hoping that one of those two venues actually comes through. And I've been talking through email with a couple others. So an E is already booked. Uh, two-thirds of the cast for E is cast. Um, the script is completely outlined for E. Um, the structure is planned for E. And E is actually happening simultaneously with two other plays. So you can either buy a ticket to E you can buy a ticket to a play called Friends, or you can buy a ticket to a play called Students. And uh, basically, Friends and Students happen on a Venn diagram with E. So uh, people going to Friends will not 
see what's going on for E. IB will not see what's going on for students and people at students will not see what's going on with friends, but E switches back and forth between those two plays and interacts with each of them. Hmm. So you you that was something you played around with in B. You really like this this will be sort of our last exploration here because we've been at it for a while, but you, you like this idea of people intersecting at, uh, at an oblique angle, the material. Where, where, where Where's that instinct from? Uh, I think it's just kind of because that's how life works. Um, you will be experiencing, you, you wouldn't necessarily be experiencing the exact same thing as someone else. You'd be having something else going on and it, your experiences would overlap at different points. And I kind of like um, creating contained versions of that. Um, yeah, I guess. That. No, I mean, makes, it makes perfect sense. Annie, how can uh, how can aside from uh, hearing the call and well, if they want if they hear the call, and whether it's through the Patreon or other means, uh, how can they help you out? Uh, people can help me out through going to my Patreon. Uh, people can help me out. What's the Patreon address? You have a, oh, you um, you gotta look it up. Uh, I gotta double check. I don't see. I can do mine off the top heart. of my head. It's uh, Patreon.com/slash/NoPersinium. I often sneeze that. Uh, people say Gesundheit, and I say no, pay me. Um, I'm uh, I do not. I don't do that. Uh, I barely remember that it exists half the time. Um, um, yeah, it, I uh, can tell you the Patreon. The is Patreon it, is. Patreon.com slash, uh, oh wait, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at this, uh. Is it slash ABC project? No, it's, uh, not, that, it's not that simple. I don't, I think it's like. Is it Annie.Lesser? Well, if you go to our Instagram, the the Patreon is linked directly to well, our Instagram. Well, there you go. So what's the Instagram? The Instagram <laughs> is ABC underscore interactive, where you can follow us. Um, I am uh, starting to thank everyone on Patreon through that or through our Facebook page, which is ABC Theater. Um, so yeah, Instagram, ABC underscore interactive. Patreon, uh, Facebook, ABC Theater. We have links to the Patreon on both. Uh, and also, my website is www.annielesser.com slash ABC. Uh, and then Infinitely Generous Society is on Instagram at Infinitely Generous Society and on Tumblr at Infinitely Generous Society. And if they want to email you if they, in case they... Uh, oh, yeah. Email me at annie.lesser at gmail.com. It's really easy to do that, and uh, you can also always message our ABC Project Facebook page. I'm very good at responding to messages on the ABC Project Facebook page. Uh, So those are ways to connect with me. Fantastic. Well, Annie, thank you for for the do-over. This was a... yeah, this is a lot better than uh, the last one we did, yeah. which, which just sort of fell apart. So Yeah, I'm yeah. glad that this made sense. Uh, hopefully, I did not bore everyone to death. <laughs> no, you know, this, the, you ended the last one and like, ah, oh, this is terrible. No, this was yeah. fun. Yeah, this yeah. was had a lot of information. I feel like there was a lot more information in this and yeah. a lot less uh, you... Uh, nudging me to promote myself <laughs> awkwardly, and then I feeling embarrassed about it. So uh, well, you need to you need to promote. You manage to promote yourself, so that's the important. thing. Yeah, that's good. So, well, not the only important thing. But, but like, yeah, you, you, you manage to do it. You know, like, theater. 
in a very organic way. Um, I really do. Most of the last time it was hot. We had a heat wave last it time. It was so hot. It was and just impossible. To yeah, think. there was. It was hot. It was loud. It was hot and loud. Yeah, it was just weird. It was it was a single strangers episode, and like, no, you do not want to listen to it. It's just it's not it's not. And that was thing. Like afterwards, I was like, oh, we fine. And then like about an hour later, I was like, no, nah, we got to do that over. Yeah. You know. Um, what are you most excited to see coming up? Oh gosh. Um, well, I mean, but but when this airs, um, who knows? Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to. Well, it's funny actually. Like, um, I'm curious about in another room. Um, I have tickets to that. Yeah, they've gone. They've gone dead silent on us though. So like, I've been. Maybe I, they're just really focused on production. Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, I've been I've been trying to email them and and like about a couple of things, and they haven't like emailed me back. So if uh, hopefully by the time this airs, they'll have gotten back to me. Uh, so there's entirely a possibility that I won't be won't be seeing it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited to see that. And yeah. I also had a ticket to the Wills, but I'm probably selling it because that's probably one of the days that we're doing D. Yeah. And, um, but I'll get a ticket to see the Wills eventually. So I'm looking forward to In Another Room. Uh, there's something that hasn't been announced yet, which I'm looking forward to. There's uh, uh, Grief, which uh, Meredith Trinan is doing uh, uh, with uh, Derek. And Derek Spencer's Ceaseless Fun is helping out with that. Um, and you have spooky seasons coming up. Yeah, so I'm so stoked for spooky season. Hopefully there'll be just a bunch of stuff that like, oh my we, gosh. we don't know about just arriving. I know? know. It's going to take out all of my monies is going <laughs> to happen with spooky season. Also, um, I noticed some, some stuff is, is popping off in SF. I'm going to try and go up there for at least one thing, hopefully. Yeah. I no, can't I, go I, to Inferno Motel, though, because I'm working both weekends that is playing. I, I bet you Infernal's gonna get an uh, get an extension. Like uh, that that was a fun piece. I'm still looking forward to. I, I saw a preview, so like I'll write notes, but I won't write an actual review. But I'm I'm probably gonna yeah do that. I might even do that uh, tonight. I got I got about four or five things I need to write this week. Okay, um, which is fun. Uh, I just want to see more theater all the time, and I'm so broke, but I want to go see all of it, and then I will I will die. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Once again, want to thank Annie Lesser for being our guest on the show today. Annie gave you all the information on where you can find her. Uh, but uh, Hunter Down, um, Facebook's a really good place for the ABC Project and all that stuff. I know you will often find Annie there. You'll also find her in Everything Immersive, uh, which is the Facebook group that uh, we invite you all to join. Uh, EverythingImmersive.com is the easiest way to reach that. Now is uh, my little my little Yoda hut corner of the show. Um, this was a busy week. This was a busy week out there. Um, last weekend was Midsummer Scream, and we did our panel uh, where we got to talk with Jonathan Josephson of Unbound Productions, Alandon Zakheim of the Overlook Film Festival, Anna Mavramati of Shine On Collective, and Zombie Joe of Zombie Joe's Underground Theater. There is a video of the panel, which was put up by our friend Mike Fontaine of My Haunt Life. You can find it. You can find it on NoPresidium.com. We we pasted it up there. Uh, you can also find it uh, lurking around everything immersive. 
uh, which is, um, you know, the watering hole, the place where all the news breaks is Everything Immersive. Uh, find that at everythingimmersive.com. It is the Facebook group. If you haven't joined it yet and you listen to the show, I really, I don't know how that happens. I just don't. There's like almost 1,600 people in it now. We started at the end of April. It's just like, what? Like basically top of May. Um, I think literally like the first couple days of May. Like I started it in April and then announced it like May 1st or something like that. And it's just like, insert sound effects there producer of the show doesn't exist so midsummer was a lot of fun uh going around seeing everybody uh, got to do the alone experience thing got to do the sneak peek of uh shine on's uh work like the second part of sweet dreams um just just it was the first day i felt like i was playing katamari damacy with people I could even hear the theme song. Na 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 na. That was in my head like all Saturday because I'd like walk three feet and I'd run into somebody and then they'd like follow along, join up with us, and then walk another three feet, run into somebody, and this we had like nine people rolling or something at one point. Um, Annie was part of that. So was uh, so was Kate Lane. Um, Landon was part of that. Uh, David Rezica of the Willows. It was just awesome. <laughs> I wish every weekend was like that. You know, it just feels like, let's just go on a group vacation, everybody. All 300 of us, you know. You know we're going to do that with Star Wars Land, right? Just, I just, you know, that's happening. Right? You just you just know it is. Like, there's there's no avoiding it. We're going on vacation, everybody. Um, speaking of Star Wars and Star Wars Land and Disney uh, theme parks and Star Wars and Star Wars and Star Wars and Star Wars. Um, this week... This is the first time I get to like really get excited about this because I haven't even processed this information until the show. And I, maybe I was saving it. Oh, my God. So Disney has been investing in the void. And the void, of course, is the virtual reality or hyper reality, as the branding is going now, uh, that mixes like autonomous VR uh, computer uh, backpacks. Uh, and, and setups that you walk through a space and the space has physical elements in it. So when you touch a table in VR, there's a freaking table there. Or when you like grab a door, there's a handle. Um, and Disney's been investing money into them. And now ILM X Lab, who did Carnegie Arena, who did Trials on Tatooine, who are working with David Goyer on the Vader experience, which we all caught a glimpse of at the Apple's last keynote. Um, and maybe some other people who listen to the show are working on wink, wink. Hi. Hi. Good to see you too. I, I feel like, oh my God, it's like romper room. I see. Um, okay. The coffee is, the coffee is working. Um, the void and ILMX lab are going to have hyper reality attractions at Disney Springs and downtown Disney. Now, for those of you who don't speak theme park, what that means is that there are VR centers that are going to be Star Wars themed and offering up a Star Wars experience um, that is pretty much the current cutting edge of VR installations and attractions because they are not just hold some controllers and look around and, you know, shoot things with a video game controller or, you know, stand in some weird um, device that's supposed to be a treadmill. This is walk around a space that has been designed and the video part is just skinned over um, with the, the, the video reality. Um, that type of work, as ILM has proven so far in their 
public facing work they are incredibly good at and the void has proven they are incredibly good at so this is a very exciting meeting of the best of the best and you're not going to need an annual pass or a ticket to disney then again if you're an annual pass holder you have a ticket this is going to cost more you can go to the public uh, outside the gates parts of walt disney world and disneyland and experience this and it is coming before star wars land opens it is due this winter uh you will find me likely find me and brian bishop standing in line several times to the to the chagrin of brian's wife um playing over and over and over in a Star Wars hyper-reality experience, and I'm just a little bit excited. Also because I'm not an annual pass holder right now, like I'm not doing that until Star Wars Land hits again, so um, the fact that I don't have to pay a bunch of money to go into the park to stand in a three-hour line, hopefully there'll be a pre-advanced ticketing system, so I'm just going to go online, buy a ticket for a set time, as if I was going to the movies, and then I drive down, show up, probably hang out with my friends, uh, who are going into the park at Ralph's Jazz Kitchen have some of the really amazing uh, coffee and alcohol drinks that they do uh, and then go uh, dive in two or three times uh, into the Star Wars VR experience because let's be honest, I'm not going to go just once when I go down there. Nope, not going to be just once. So this is this is great. This is awesome. Um, this is indeed kind of what we've been waiting for in VR uh, for a very large uh, piece of IP to talk businessy for a second here to create a you know you know landing point a beachhead in reality uh, in mass reality mass market to get people to come in and check out what it's about and say oh it's this and if it can live up to like half of the kind of experience that Carney Arena did. Uh, but just be sort of pop and fun, I think it's going to do a lot to convert people to understand just what is so exciting about this technology as an immersive storytelling medium. Speaking of pop and converting people into fans of immersive storytelling mediums, we need to keep talking about activations because this week uh, HBO Entertainment uh, and... Uh, Play Collaborative Arts, which is a company here in Los Angeles, which uh, if longtime listeners of the show know, uh, you know that like we helped out with uh, an Indiegogo campaign they did. So uh, these are friends of ours, full disclosure for those of you who are worried. But as I note to everyone, like just because you're a friend doesn't mean I won't bring the pain when it comes to the criticism, um, which is not a presaging of like, oh, I hated it. Um, but um, they did an activation for... Big Little Lies, which is a David E. Kelly soap opera limited series that was on HBO last year. It starred Nicole Kidman, amongst others, who, like, you know, I adore her. Uh, how can you not? I mean, some people, but, you know. Um, show that I haven't watched because I'm really, like, disconnected from, you know, soap these days. And, you know, I I was a soap fan as, as, as a youngster. Um, for those, you know, I'm going to date myself here because no one else will, uh, I'm going to date myself here and point out that, you know, before Princess Bride, Robin Wright was on, uh, the, the soap opera Santa Barbara. And so that's where I first fell in love. Uh, most of you, you fell in love with Buttercup. I fell in love with her character on Santa Barbara. 
I was like in junior high or something. So like, let's just be honest here. Like it wasn't, I'm not that old. I mean, I am, but I'm not that old. Um, and, uh, it, it, she was, she was amazing, uh, then, and then she was on Princess Bride and, uh, and then she, you know, married Sean Penn and then, you know, now she's Claire. Now she's like the badass warrior. Anyway, this is not the Robin Wright podcast. Mental note, make a Robin Wright podcast. This is no proscenium. And this is about big little lies. And Robin Wright isn't even on big little lies. So I kind of don't soap operas, right? Soap operas. So anyway, it's been a long time since I've been into a soap opera. And uh, Cole told me about this piece. Uh, she cast some really great performers. So I knew like, okay, well, there's going to be some good work here. But like they've worked on it for three weeks. You know, how good can activation, you know, this isn't exactly like the Westworld experience, which I would have killed to see. Um, you know, this is for something that, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily excited about. Oh, baby. Now... This was a bespoke, one-time-only, two-and-a-half-hour-long, immersive play. Used a dark ride structure, loaded three groups into three different set pieces, and then kind of spun the wheel and let us all track through and get, you know, all the information. Had a little bit of sort of, not truly escape room elements, but the clue gathering of escape rooms. Had opening and closing sequences and a big denouement. They, they seeded things in the course of the story, like, you know, that two characters are working on a dance routine for the dance contest, and they paid it off. Stuff that you feel like is was only a tease got paid off, got paid off brilliantly. There were these two amazing dancers uh, who did these sort of um, soulful pieces uh, as um, interstitials between a few of the scenes. Just an amazing piece of work that was thrown together in three weeks that had this audience of, you know, there were mommy bloggers and like Brian was there and Taylor from Haunting was there and I were there. and We, we each were in different groups. Like one point we were nearly shoved in the same group and I was like, no, keep us separate and give us our own tracks. Um, there, there was, there was all, but there was all these people who I don't think had ever some of them didn't even know immersive theater was a thing. I heard one woman say like, this is stressing me out. Um, and other people were like really into it. One lady stroked my beard. That was, that was odd. Um, then she got to dance with uh, Tad Schaefer, uh, who also has a glorious beard. So she was, she was really happy. And, and the booze was flowing because this was a, uh, a Blu-ray launch party for uh, the, the release of the series that way. And just, you know, I mean, it, it was it was everything a Hollywood party, uh, you know, a, a influencer event to get buzz up for a DVD series a release is supposed to be, which is supposed to get you excited about this thing uh, that maybe you wouldn't be excited about, you know, otherwise. And it was also an incredibly great, soapy, frothy, fun, but still had some like, you know, it still had a soul and a point of view and artistic merit and amazing performances. Um, immersive theater piece that wasn't genre that wasn't, you know, anywhere in the extreme horror camp um, that was made for, you know, 75 people to go through at once. Um, this is something we've been looking for to like a way to like onboard a bunch of, you know, folks who like just don't know this is going on into this world. And the great shame, the, the tragedy of this piece is that 
um, they can only do it once. It's gone. It's done. New Coast Power was one night only. One night only. Some of the best work I've seen uh, in the past couple of years have been like that. Um, ephemeral. You, you literally had to be there because it can't exist again. Um, which is deeply sad in some ways. But remember, they put it together in three weeks. They put a beautiful, fun... And, and look... And I say it in the write-up that I put in No Persinium today. Go to nopersinium.com. You'll find it. Lies of many sizes, I think uh, I called it. Um, you know, I'd have notes. There are, there are things that could be shaped and polished. And there's, there's, you know, there's a way in which what I call the UI, sort of like the role that the audience, the audience was given a role, but like our, our duties weren't necessarily clear. And sometimes the messages sort of were mixed. It was like I was given an injunction to do something, but then it became very clear that like if I did those things, it would be disruptive to the scenes as they were playing out. So I kind of wasn't too sure. And then I sort of felt like, well, maybe, maybe I should have been doing something, but like, I felt like I wasn't, you know, really in the scenes. Um, and, and so that kind of ambiguity, like, needs to be addressed going forward. But there is no going forward. And people had a freaking great time. So, meh, meh with the notes for next time, for the development of something future. Um, and I hope that the folks who are in it, I'd love to see that cast do something similar again. You know, with the serial numbers filed off. Um, so, you know, no one can get upset. Um, this is a fantastic format. LA seems to be hungry for this sort of work. Um, I think anywhere would be hungry for this sort of work. So just, you know, Cole, if you're listening, I don't know if you are, you know, keep thinking about it. And, uh, anyone else? Well, gauntlet's been thrown. The gauntlet has been thrown. Let's get some fun out there. This is something I said on the, the Midsummer uh, panel, you know, like things have been really dour, things have been depressing, things have been dark. Um, some, some things that I'm trying to write up, it's just hard because it's like now I've got to grapple with some existential material for a while. It's just exhausting, you know. Um, I'm not at all losing my, my taste for the work. That's clear. Uh, but, you know, everything can't be the emotional ringer it just can't there's there's an upper limit um and this was a reminder and you know it was melodramatic as all heck and like you know you know deanna no uh who who had a big role in it and and you might know her from like the the firelight shows you know she was she was like you know you know teary-eyed at the end and like you could you could feel everyone it just like in the cast it just like pulled up this energy and like dropped it out so it was intense for the cast it was intense for the audience but like you had people shouting murder accusations and like you know it felt like a schoolyard brawl with everyone hooting and hollering at certain points at points look like a schoolyard brawl i mean it was just what you want out of out of just a fun soapy immersive experience so this 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 has been cracked open now and I just want to see more. Now, some full disclosure, this was one of those launch parties. So, you know, they totally gave us uh, the Blu-ray at the end. Wasn't necessarily expecting that. Um, they also gave us uh, a paperback of the novel, which I probably won't get around to reading. And I have HBO now, so, you know, I'll, I'll probably just stream it when I watch it. But I want to watch it now. So it was effective. Good job. And... Kudos, uh, as Jenny Weinblum said in, in Everything Immersive, kudos to HBO for picking a local company 
uh, and, and not just like, you know, tapping uh, a big agency. This is really fantastic um, that the local groups are getting work, that, that plays getting to work with HBO, that the speakeasy is working with the Broad. You know, we are seeing the L.A. scene level up. And, you know, this is on the back of, you know, Punch Drunk gets these kind of gigs all the time. Third Rail gets tapped for stuff. You know, the New York scene's been doing this for years. So it's really exciting to see this happening more in different places. Um, And indeed, you know, it'll happen across the country. And it probably already is. And we're just not aware of it yet. If you know that it is, if you know about anything happening anywhere across the world, Send that information to Noah at noprescinium.com. It's going to make its way into the website and the newsletters. The Los Angeles and New York newsletters go out this week. And I'm going to tell you, LA has some surprises in store for you. I will put a channel alert on the NoPro Slack out when it goes into inboxes because there are things that you do not want to miss happening in the Southland getting dropped in the newsletter this weekend. Get excited. It's been a hot minute since we've had that going on. Um, that comes out tomorrow morning. Um, what else is in the world? Uh, that's the big thing I want you to know about. You can find us, as always, at nopersinium.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at nopersinium. I'm at Noah J. Nelson on Twitter. You can find Everything Immersive on Facebook at everythingimmersive.com or just type in everything immersive on Facebook and you'll find the group join up. It's fantastic. It's the watering hole for all things immersive, uh, of which the show is, uh, the voice of, um, the music for this episode is by Chris Porter of the speakeasy society. Our sustaining backer is Ross Sigworth of the Rathskeller club in San Francisco, where the um, infernal motel is going on. And indeed there's a write up on the infernal motel over at no right now. Um, this has been your host, Noah Nelson. Uh, there's there's something else out there in the world that I'm probably forgetting to tell you about, but you know what? Like Batman, it's time to go to work. So, until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>